Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, you're very welcome along to the Group Chat Podcast. I'm news correspondent Zara King. I'm joined in studio by political correspondent Gavin Riley. Hey Zara, how are you? And my fellow news correspondent Richard Chambers. How's it going? How are we going, guys? Good. Oh, We're oh, there's there's like a kind week. of an elephant in the room that we might get to later. At a later stage. Yes. At a later stage. Um, you've had a good week? Yeah. You've had a very exciting week, I have to say. The story has yeah. been a high drama. Some of the high, high seas as well. Some of the puns you've been dropping have been amazing. I want to get straight into it because um, it was honestly, it's, it's phenomenal. 157 yeah. million euro. Yes. The largest. This is the thing. History of the state. Yeah. Um, the scale of what's happened and the seizure, it all started with that small fishing boat. That's where it all sort of kicked off. But what has since transpired, and we'll go through all the details of it, has been. Uh, by a significant margin, the biggest drug seizure in the history of the state. And more than two tonnes of cocaine has been ripped out of this giant cargo ship, which is currently sitting uh, in the port of Cork, uh, worth a minimum of 157 million euros. But, because some people were comparing it to uh, Dunlock Bay, I think was the biggest one before that. That was in County Cork and that was worth mm-hmm. something like 400 million in the round. So they're wondering, well, how is this bigger? Well, 157 million is your starting point. Mm. Once this is taken by the m- multiple organised crime gangs who will be involved in distributing this throughout Europe. And, and you cut it and multiply, you charge a premium multiply, for buying And everyone gets their base, markup yeah. or whatever. Some yeah. people were estimating this could be worth 700 million euros, wow. 800 wow. million euros. By the time it actually gets around um, to the streets of Europe, uh, the 157 million euros is actually going to look like small change in comparison wow. to it. So Huge. People will probably know then at this stage that there was the, the raid by the Air Corps and the Army Rangers of this vessel, the MV Matthew, on Tuesday. So this is, yeah, we rarely yeah. get anything this, um, this clear and this dramatic yeah. in terms of what actually happens uh, from the Air Corps, from the, Air, from the Army Rangering or from the Guardi in general. Um, so this is what was happening. This is uh, the dropping of the Army Ranger wing on fast ropes. The first time this has ever happened, by the way, in a live situation uh, of uh, the elite of the defence forces uh, onto the deck because the crew of this ship, 25 member crew of this um, shipping vessel which is originally flagged from Panama it's had a complicated history though in terms of naming and ownership as well Uh, but it was uh, seized effectively on the seas Mm. by the Irish Army Ranger Wing after it failed to comply with directions to stop. Warning shots were fired by the the, the Irish Navy to try and stop it. They tried to flee Army Ranger Winger dropped on board and then since it was taken into Cork they found the mother load on yeah. the mother ship. So this all kicked off news-wise then with that original trawler that sort of got into bother off Wexford on Monday night. I think it's Monday night. It felt like such a long week already. I think it was, it was, was on it Monday, Monday, Monday night. Monday, yeah. Monday, Monday night. I was in Daily Man Park when it was all kicking <laughs> off. <laughs> so the, the understanding now is obviously that it was carrying drugs that had been sourced from this bigger vessel. No, no. The okay. timeline is the timeline. The exact details are uh, a little bit uh, murky for operational reasons. But it is suspected, and well, it's it's effectively the 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 working theory on it is is that one of the, that fishing boat which ran aground uh, off Blackwater in County Wexford after it was bought by two lads in West Cork 
who didn't look like they had much sailing experience and <laughs> later proved okay. it yeah. um, <laughs> by crashing it on a very noticeable sandbank uh, off County Wexford, um, is that that would have been one of the sort of the, like if the, if the big ship is the mothership, mm-hmm. you have a number of, this is how it works in terms of distributing cocaine in Europe, is that you have a big, big ship and you have a lot of smaller boats which will come and take little loads off to various points, whether that be the UK, whether that be to Ireland, mm. France, Spain. That's why Because you huge... can't bring a big container ship in under cover of darkness. People will notice that you're there. Pretty yeah. noticeable, like, yeah. yeah, if you try to mm. sail one of these down the Liffey, like, do you know what I mean? Um, so effectively, that's what the working theory was, was that either this had either had its supply taken off the mothership yeah. or it was on its way to do that when things got a little bit complicated. So would they have known that this mothership was doing the rounds but for the first one running aground or was it already on their, their radar almost literally? Apparently this operation had been planning for weeks and weeks and weeks. That there was a, that this was there was a long build up to this, and there would have been a lot of cooperation from like the US DEA. Some people might have heard of them, the mm-hmm. National Crime Agency in the UK, plus the overall European Union sort of side of things. But there was a lot of intelligence that went into this. Um, I think like it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out in the round as to when what piece of the story went before the other because it is still quite hazy. Yeah. And it was actually we actually when we were chatting about this on I think it was on Tuesday. Um, Tuesday morning and it was it was the focus was still purely on the little trawler mm. yes we were all kind of like this are there is all drugs very on that strange. trawler how come they haven't found drugs on the trawler have the drugs been well, dumped overboard it would be difficult to prosecute had they not found drugs on Indeed. the trawler this is the thing but like I mean because yeah. it, it was there was words started to leak out as does happen is that security sources will start to when they think they're onto something big they'll start texting people know. and they'll be like here look we think we have the biggest potentially one of the biggest drug seizures in the history of the state and when the focus was just on the little trawler from which no bales of cocaine had been found. Mm. There's a little bit of, uh, something doesn't really add up to this mm. story. Yeah. Um, particularly because nobody saw anything floating out of it. Nobody had actually accessed the trawler and still hasn't as of this point. Probably won't for a number of days because it, it might well end up at the bottom of the Irish Sea mm. uh, because it's in a very bad state and it's broken up at this point. Uh, and nobody has been able to, given the conditions of Storm Agnes, been able to actually land on the boat from the air because you couldn't actually sail out to it. Because okay. it's on a sandbank. Yeah. Um, so yeah, nobody's actually looked inside there yet as of this point. What, on Thursday by the time this goes out? So yeah. And I know, so there was talk then that some of the crew members on the ship in Cork, that one of them had been medically evacuated the day before. How relevant do you think that might have been in terms of, you know, just gathering intelligence? Hey, this is just one of the, like there's so many elements to this which are just so wild and just outlandish in it terms of... It is a wild of, story. This is mad. So we don't get many of these. No, no. This is next level narcos stuff. Like in terms of the overall scale, the amount of drugs, more than two tonnes, 2,253 kilograms of cocaine found here. The fact that the Irish Army Ranger Ring were descending from fast ropes, mm. warning shots fired on. None of this ever happens. No. None of this ever happens. But I see that the only time they've, they've only ever like discharged weapons or fired shots basically in, in other waters or other countries. They've actually never done it within Irish territorial yeah. waters or the Rangers have never done it on wow. Irish soil. And if it wasn't, and it wasn't for the fact that conditions were so bad, they wouldn't have had to be deployed. They would have tried to board the ship by other ways mm. but it was the only way to do it is from the air and the only lads who can do that are the ranger wing yeah. may as well drop down lads and get at it wow. but the, 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 the medical evacuation of the guy from the ship on Monday mm. it's such a peculiar detail in all of this yeah. like it's so weird they, 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 were, they, 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 they basically radioed the coast guard saying there was a bit of an issue here mm. one of the guys had to be medically evacuated he was then arrested 
So, and you wouldn't oh. imagine that like cartels would be particularly concerned about the well-being of their staff. So the fact that they called for a medical evacuation well, no, is no, quite interesting. In, like, engaging with proper civic and national yeah, authorities on the ground, you, you'd think that if your 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 necessity is to try and make sure that things get sort of pulled off or that you keep as low a profile as possible, that if someone gets a bit sick, you just try and plow on. Plow on. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think yeah. one of the one of the things was that like that one of the working theories which has been floated around in inside and security sources is basically that well they didn't want anybody to be suspicious at this yeah. point did they know that the guardy and the authorities were onto them mm. probably not uh, until they turned they yeah. tried to swing that giant ship around <laughs> yeah. and but, peg it away but, from court but like, yeah. it's wild to think that the coast guard would have had to go out and assist in a medical evacuation of somebody from the vessel on monday and then on tuesday possibly the same personnel were involved in basically commandeering the vessel by force and yeah. we get escorted to land because it's got the biggest drugs haul we might ever have had in the history of the state. Yeah, I think the, the knock-on impact is probably one of the most interesting mm-hmm, points sure. on this because at the centre of this is a South American, a murderous cartel, as they were described in the Garda briefing, uh, who basically, they are the source of us. They ship it across to Europe and then you have all these mini cartels, which could include notorious ones in our country mm-hmm. uh, are involved then in the dis- in the distribution of that. Although they are, like, let's be honest, they are probing whether or not there is a Kinahan link to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, Gardy were also quick to say it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the Kinahans who are involved in this. Mm. There are a number of other cartels yeah. and drugs groups who could well have done on a small scale send up a fishing boat or whatever yeah. and, and connect to this. Well, but all this well it seems like a lot of cartels were clubbing together to get this big order in. You know what I mean? Well, that it, a lot of them were... Big, well, yeah. street, if it's street value could be something approaching like three quarters of a billion euro, you'd think that one individual crime group mm. would be stretched to the like, maximum extent of its resources. So it's more likely to be a syndicate of them all clubbing together like all chipping in on the lift. Yeah. Which kind of speaks to like the international, you know, element of the, like it's, it's really the word organised in organised crime, isn't it? Like that's, that's how organised this is. It's an international business. The resources are being put in there and and cartels supporting one another to keep, you know, rising Mm. tide, lifting all boats, not to carry too much of a pun on that. Um, But it's interesting, you know, when we look at the consequences of if those drugs had made it to the street as well, Uh, particularly when we talk about, you know, the impact that this has on, on people's lives destroyed and, you know, it's, you know, certain within certain communities the drugs are being brought in and sold and you know we, we take it really back to sort of basic level when we you know look at children who are being groomed into a life of crime and who are being you know brought in to maybe sell and and distribute these drugs yeah. you know what I mean and we talk about kids as young as 11, 12 and 13 being brought into to this life because of big boat deliveries like this if yeah. we're honest. And it is and it's, it's, it's so interesting this is a rare opportunity to sort of lift the lid on how this actually yeah. happens um, because yeah. for every one of these and it's so rare i.e. why we're talking about this yeah. now today, mm. that we actually stop one of these from happening. Yeah. The amount of these that actually do get through the net must be quite significant. Otherwise, because we have a, a voracious appetite for cocaine in this country, clearly, mm-hmm. and so does Europe. And we are, I think we're, I think we're one of the top consumers of cocaine. We are actually, yeah. The, the latest report was saying that we're one of the highest consumers of cocaine in Europe. Yeah. Which I think that w- will be interesting because one of the reasons the number why, one drug in Ireland now. Well, one of the reasons why it is is because it is perceived as being relatively affordable. Uh, so an interesting thing to diagnose now will be how much of a supply impact is there if this vessel was ultimately bringing like a massive chunk of cocaine that was going to be consumed in the Irish market. Will that mean that cocaine is materially harder to come by? And if so, will people have... Cocaine's to... going to get more expensive. The price market. of the brick yeah. is going up. Right. It's supply and demand, possibly. Like you never know. So I'd, I'd be really fascinated to see when all, when all this comes through the wash, how much less cocaine there is in Ireland as a result of a raid like this or, or will people who consume it 
even notice the difference. Yeah, I, I, like that is that is mm, the thing. It's interesting. Well, I, I suppose it certainly does put authorities on high alert in terms of. But look, like I think as well, you have to be honest and say that like criminal gangs with as well. There's way like you know what I mean. The, they'll just look at different channels. I think one of the things that came up today that I thought was interesting, though, as you said, Richard, is um, the consequences for this. Will there be retaliations? You know, will there be? You know, let's be honest. Will there be retaliation killings? Because you know, did somebody let the cat out of the bag? Did somebody? You know, like these are questions that have to be asked, and these are things that like law enforcement will be looking at now because. Mm. You know, are there people that will need to be protected after the outcome of this? Are there people who will be wanted by these gangs because of this? Yeah, I suppose we probably won't ever know the answer to that because mm-hmm. it is such a source. Maybe it's in South America where you're looking at for this or where exactly mm-hmm. if there was a leak of information or whether that's through, you know, the intelligence gathered by whether it be Irish authorities or ones across Europe and, and, and the United States and Britain as well. Like they got the information from somewhere. I don't think we're ever going to find out exactly how they came across that information, but it's going to be one to watch what the ramifications are. We may not have had every arrest in this country that we will see out of this, but uh, this is a huge, huge moment in terms of the battle against organised crime in this country. Absolutely. Well, stay with us because after the break, we're going to be speaking to actor and producer Natalie Britton. And uh, Natalie's worked on a number of interesting things. Gavin, you've had a, a look at Natalie's uh, yeah, uh, she portfolio. Yeah, a, a really remarkable uh, IMDb page where she's been involved in some stuff that's like been really, really well received. She's been in some TV series that we all know she's had a part in NCIS Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, one of the things that she's just recently produced is longlisted for an Oscar. Yes, so I've seen it. Well. I've seen it too for the road. It's a short film. I really recommend if you get a chance to see it. Um, it's long listed for an Oscar. Mm. But so Natalie is a highly accomplished uh, individual uh, herself and her husband of two young children. Uh, they moved back here from the States during COVID. But she's calling on the Taoiseach to meet her for a coffee. Find out more after the break. Well, we're joined in studio now by actor and producer Natalie Britton, who has called on the Taoiseach to sit down and have a cup of coffee with her and tell her how she and her young family are supposed to live here in Ireland. Natalie has spent in the region of €20,000 in savings since returning back home to Ireland and week to week her family is now struggling to make ends meet. Natalie, thank you so much for coming in. Um, When I received your message of the day, I was taken aback because, you know, you were an incredibly successful person, (laughs) uh, you and your husband um, working very, very hard. You know, you are what people would perceived to be, you know, successful middle income earners. So for you to be tweeting Leo Varadkar uh, was quite a surprise. Tell us a bit about what your family have been dealing with. Sure. Yeah. And I would say that I think that's the case for a lot of middle class or traditionally historical middle class families that we're, we're all finding it extremely hard. Um, so um, the story with my family, we came back, we were living in the States. Um, I've lived outside of Ireland for, for a long time, um, come, I suppose 20 years or so. We're living in the States for 12 years, working over there. My husband is American. And um, we came back for a visit during COVID and just loved being close to friends and family and had the decision to stay and uh, I was pregnant at the time and we thought this is the place where we want to raise our kids. Um, Obviously, every country has issues. Uh, So we started, you know, on that journey a couple of years ago and we have just been finding it incredibly difficult. When I use the word hemorrhaging money, I mean hemorrhaging money. We just cannot keep up with the cost of everything. Um, And it's got to the point now where I feel like I must be missing something. Uh, which was really my appeal to say, hey, look, you know, maybe there's something I'm not availing of. Maybe I'm missing something here because I'm working very hard, uh, as a lot of my colleagues and peers would be. And yet we don't seem to have enough to pay for the basic needs. So um, our rent is extortionate. Um, We got approved uh, for a mortgage, but we can do nothing with it because we can't find anywhere 
to buy for that amount. What, what is the situation with your rent? How much are you? Paying? So we're paying three thousand, three thousand one hundred euro in rent mm. every month. Every month for but for yeah, what kind of house is that? Um, oh, it's a standard house. Um, Dean's Grange. Uh, three, it's, three bedrooms, four bedrooms. It's it's a, a small three bed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and we had been looking. We'd been in an Airbnb for four months before that. Um, we found one house that we moved into. We spent one night there and halfway through the night, rats came out from underneath the bed. And this was through a legitimate letting agency. Um, they were running around the house. And of course, I took a video, somehow managed to take a video of my husband, yeah. you know, had the brush out and was trying. <laughs> and we went to the letting agency the next morning and said, hey, this is a the situation. They said, oh my God, we'll give you back your money and everything. I said, well, what are we supposed to do? We have to find another house. Where are we going to live? They didn't have anything else. Mm. As you know, there's just no nothing for rent um, mm. in Dublin. You just can't find anything. Um, and so we went then into my mum's one bedroom apartment, the four of us. Um, and we've been bouncing around ever since. And now we're in a house, a family, a very kind family um, who we found through a friend of a friend who are living in Spain at the moment because we can't find anything legit. I'm on I'm on every single website. I'm on every list. And I have been for 18 months. I've applied for over 150 houses um, and I can't get a viewing. And if I do get a viewing, it's gone. And usually that's a friend of someone or a niece of someone or, a, you know, everyone's looking for, for places mm. to live. So we're stuck in this situation where I'm great, very grateful to have a roof over my kids' heads. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's not sustainable in the long run because we're constantly trying. We know we have to make that for rent, but then of course they've got to eat and they've got to. So there's this pressure on constantly. And so in order to plug that gap, we're using our savings, which we have worked so hard. And most people our age, you know, you work towards that savings to to put down a deposit on a house. And we had mm-hmm. built 40 grand of savings bit by bit over 20 years. We arrived here and we just started using a little bit to plug every single yeah. month. Mm. And we're down like 19, 20 grand. I, that was your just house because deposit. some people will be wondering and they, mm. they won't know your full family circumstances. Mm. People will do the, the thing of like, oh, move out of Dublin. Yeah. Why wouldn't you yeah, move everyone to, says to that, Longford yeah. or something? Or why are you here? Go back to America, which doesn't really solve the problem because, you know, yes, I'm I'm maybe an outsider or someone who emigrated and has come back. But there are people who've been living here their whole lives and they have the same problem yeah, and they exactly. don't have the they don't have the ability to to maybe go abroad yeah. or, or go anywhere but else. Also in your case, you, you were telling me outside before we came on air today that you're that you have family links to where you're living yeah, and the my, whole point my, my, of you coming home. It's not that she's elderly, but, you know, I want to be near her if I'm back in Ireland. Mm. And the yeah. reason why we came back was the support system. I want to have access to that. I don't want to be living um, in the middle of the country or, you know, anywhere that as beautiful as it is, there's no, there's no real point in that. Mm. And I should be able to live, uh, I should be able to live, or there should be a choice for me to make, even if the choice is, okay, let's take a small two bed for rent Mm -hmm. and let's do that for a year and save some money. But there's no small two beds for rent for a reasonable amount. And even so, if, yeah, you wouldn't be saving any money if you're doing that anyway. No. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, no. the, the point you make about your savings gradually being whittled away, I think is so resonant for so many people mm-hmm. that the way that, you know, just for example, you guys came back, you moved into a place to rent and you were being asked to pay X amount of money. Mm-hmm. The new rents at the moment, and I think it's something which actually a lot of different reports show, mm-hmm. they're just so much higher than even the rents which are with people who have been in long existing yeah. tenancies are. Yeah. And it is impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. I don't understand. I think a lot of people are fed up like yeah. you are and like so many of us, including yeah. myself, yeah. Uh, with the situation where the amount that you have to pay every month for rent is ex- is, is much higher than you would have to pay for a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And yet the banks will tell you mm-hmm. if you're trying to then apply for a mortgage, mm-hmm. 
You haven't shown any savings power so, or the ability to pay, exactly. even though you're paying multitudes more than so you they would show you. They want to show. They want to say how much have you got in, in a deposit? How much have you got? And I would have been able to say forty grand. So now I say twenty because I, twenty of it has gone to paying rent for people here. They don't. Ca- they don't care about that. They do not. So it's been twenty years of me, or fifteen years. I've been paying rent. I've never missed a payment. I'm able to do it. I can do it, and I would do it for a mortgage, but I'm not being given that opportunity. And the mortgage of three hundred and fifty grand, which can't buy me anything yeah. in Dublin yeah. um, also would be way less. So I think it would be something like 1500 or 1600 a month, which would be brilliant. Mm. It's half it of what I'm rent. paying in yeah. rent, but I can't get in. It's there's just barriers to entry everywhere yeah. because anywhere that we look at, they're like, oh, there's already a cash offer in on that. Oh, are you paying cash? No, no, sorry. Oh, you've only got three. Is there any movement on that? Could you make four? No. So there's so even if I'm putting a little bit or my mum is giving a little bit and trying, mm. there's, there's there's just not enough. But it even is, I think, like as you said, Richard, so much of what you're saying is so relatable to so many people who'd be listening to this podcast who would be in the exact same situation. And I think what's really interesting in terms of your perspective is that you went away and came back home. The Ireland that you left behind, actually, even though it was that 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah 18, you, 19 years ago. Yeah. Like that generation could buy a house. That yeah. was like, you yeah. left Ireland at a very different time. Like the tide has turned so much, so much. in 15 to 20 years mm-hmm. that, you know, you probably came home with your lovely husband and your child. We'll, we'll start a life back home thinking that would be a really reasonable thing to consider. Reasonable. And also, you know that every country has its has its struggles and has things that it needs to do a little better. And it kind of just feels like here, whether it's childcare or healthcare or housing or educate, there's just they're all just kind of struggling together. And for me at my stage in life where I have young kids and I need access to healthcare and I need access to schools and I need access to childcare and I need a house, all of those things that I need that you want to pay for. That I want to pay for. I'm not asking for a handout or anything. You want to pay for this. Right. And so I get to the point where I'm kind of like, I don't know where to turn. Last week, I took the turn to go down the job seekers jobs benefit because I'm an actor. I'm a producer. I am. My work is sporadic. It is freelance. So um, I'm not working all the time. Um, And I thought, well, maybe if I could get a little help for when I'm not working. That's what people do, right? Applied. They said, oh, you're means tested um, and it, you're means tested as a family. So my husband is on, um, he, he's freelance as well, but he's he's working in this salary job and it's not a big salary. Um, and they take that into account. And they said for me, no, like means test, you earn more than 450 euro a week. Therefore, which is 1800 a, a month. It's so you're not entitled to anything. 20 grand a year. So because the household earns more than 20 grand a year, you're entitled to nothing. So I said, okay, I can't go there. So at that point, I think was when I sent the tweet because I just thought, what am, what am I doing? Because it's costing about five or six grand um, a, a month. We can't earn that. Or if on paper we do earn it, half of it is taken in tax anyway. Um, and that's not translating into money that we have that we can use. Mm. Um, and it's not, not so translating in your case into any services because you can't get anything either. And yeah. my husband's American and, you know, he kind of said, like, Ireland is lovely and um, it's a nice country and I want to make it work here. But it, it's not it's not nice enough for it to be this expensive, mm. you know. Um, and so we're we're scratching our heads and it's 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 my peers who 
I was kind of mentioning to you earlier, I have friends who the ones that are okay right now who are managing are the ones that maybe bought a house eight to 10 years ago yeah. and they've locked in a mortgage yeah. of yeah. 14 yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're okay. They can just get by. Yes, their childcare costs are high or whatever, but they're, they're, they're okay. Yeah. And they can keep that budget because they know it. Well, they're, I guess, both crucially, and we just shouldn't, you know, let this pass over. Crucially, they're rooted in a community and even that sense of community, having access to schools, as you say, having that kind of, you know, knowing that roof is permanent over mm-hmm. their head, knowing that their children are going to the same place every day, they're being mm-hmm. educated. Like that is a, pri- that's becoming a privilege now, mm. as opposed to being, yeah. you know, something that was a reasonable a ba- expectation. A basic, a basic, a basic need. And yeah. moving schools, I would move. I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking everywhere for rents. I'm looking, I mean, we'd move them I have moved them seven times kids are resilient kids are adaptable mm. I'm trying to keep them in the same school so I'm broadening out and going okay well we'll just make the commute well what you know it's not I, c- I could find a school I suppose in, mm. a, in another area but really I I, I can't believe ha- the emails that I'm having to send sometimes to these letting agencies yeah. and being like, be- like begging, mm. begging to just get a viewing. Just please let me look. Just please let me in. Would you like me? I- I- I'll take a sight unseen. Yeah. I'll, am I supposed to be paying extra? Like there was a time when it was like, someone was like, oh, well, someone's just agreed to pay six months up yeah. front. Would yeah. you be willing? Just... And I'm going like, wow. is that what I have to do? Mm. And I'm looking at my kids going, this is so hard for a first world country that for some reason seems to have, um, and I'm sure we'll hear it next week in the budget, a surplus amount of money and the economy is booming and we're so successful. And yet people on the ground don't have basic yeah. needs met and homelessness is at an all, all time high. And we're, be, we're being fed all these sound bites and this lip service that mm, isn't translating. Yeah. There's the one other aspect. And again, we were talking about this before we came on air today um, in your particular household instance that obviously you'd like to be able to, to work to increase the income to try mm-hmm. and be able to make sure that you could make a higher rent or to live somewhere else. Yeah. But you have an issue with where your kids go in the meantime. Yeah. So again, so, so, so my work, I'll get booked on a job. Everything can change week to week. And so I'll get booked on a job and maybe it's one or two days or maybe it's two weeks or whatever it is, because that's the work that it is. And I then the first thing I have to do is go, who am I going to pull in? Can I get my auntie? Can I get my mum? Can I get the babysitter who charges 15 euro an hour? So I can't have her for three full days because essentially I'm not even making that much. But it's it's this thing where you have to put this in place and I have to find the childcare and make mm. sure that it's affordable for me to be able to do it. Mm. But if I were to go the other route and I have, so I suppose 18 months ago, I put my baby who's now just turned two, I put her name down on every single crash. I'm talking like 10 plus crashes in the whole of the area. Um, and they all laughed at me and they all kind of said, oh God, well, we've had people down on the list since, you know, they were pregnant and I, well, I didn't know I was going to be here. So throw her name down. And uh, like I, even the fact that you're getting that attitude back from people is so insulting. Like, isn't it? It's actually so insulting. That, you do not deserve that. We've accepted. That. We've yeah. kind of just accepted that this is the way it is. And we all, if you hear something enough, you're like, oh, there's a childcare crisis. This is the way it is. And you go, okay, this is the way it is. And we all just get on with it instead of kind of, now they are fighting, the, the childcare workers are fighting back at the moment because they're not getting enough money yet. The parents are paying extortionate amount of money. So what's happening there in the middle? I don't know. The government obviously isn't, isn't helping in the way that they need to be helping because they're shutting down Montessori's all over the place. Can I ask you a question? Because I know that like, you know, Gava, both of us, if we were to like put this to the housing minister, to to Leo Varadkar, to Mihal Martin, uh, they would list off all the schemes and all the help to buys and all the, and and you're the person. number of commencements now that we have And we'll hear loads about them again next week again. They'll be rehashed and and retold. Yeah. 
like those schemes are for people like you. Yeah. And well, ha- have you, I presume you've looked at all yeah, of those. So everybody, um, the first thing everybody says is, but um, are you a first time buyer? Have you bought before? No, first time buyer, haven't bought before. Um, well, you're a perfect candidate for this. Okay, let's look into it. Well, the first time schemes, <laughs> the first time buyer schemes, they're available for um, new build properties. So it has to be a new build and it has to be capped at 450K. Can you find me a new build house? I'm not talking one bedroom apartment that's out in City West because you can get one for like four and fifty. I'll be straight with you. A lot of banks don't give people mortgages for one bed anything. So no. they, especially not one bed apartment. So I can't get a new build house for under four hundred and fifty k. So therefore, it's a mute point. Yeah. Mm. So these schemes don't actually work because the people who need them can't avail of them because you're setting a cap of four hundred and fifty k. But the but the price of a house, the average price, starts at around six hundred for a new build anywhere around Dublin, even if you look into Greystones, even if you look into North Wicklow, like any any house of any kind is that. So these schemes that and, and these these this, I, I call it performative because I think people, a lot of the government stand up and they say that these things are happening, but you can't actually avail of them. And and so I look into it and I get excited and I go, oh, maybe this and I'll look it up and then go, no, no, can't. You know, so and with the, so to get back to the childcare thing, um, you know, I could I I could get offered a place and it's eleven hundred a month. So you add that on, mm. right? Because it has to be full time. So that's eleven hundred a month. So then the pressure is on for me to be able to to Much make more. that amount of yeah. money. But we are in this tax bracket where we're getting taxed forty percent, even though we're not earning anything near that so they talk about like tax credits and giving these little reliefs and we'll give you 500 towards this it makes absolutely no difference um where we were living in california our tax rate was 22 percent and then when you hit a certain threshold when you are start earning more it goes up and up and up Mm. here it's we're at 40 no matter what we're earning you know so i'm getting you know a grand a day for a rate for something i'm only seeing 200 of it after tax after commissions after childcare. so it's, so it's a, you're saying California was more affordable for your family than Dublin. Oh, yeah. We were living in Hollywood and we had a place, um, a two bedroom, two bathroom place with the pool. And our rent was less than what um, I'm, I paid in any place here in Dublin, in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a nice place. And I know, why don't I just go back? Well, here's the thing. Like, I want to raise my kids in Ireland. There are problems in America. Well, it's funny you should say, because I went to the LA to cover the Oscars this right, year, yeah. right? And I was driving around Hollywood. And I, when I came back, I did say to all of you, God, there's so many places to let. Yeah. And my perception was that maybe a lot of people had left Hollywood after mm-hmm. COVID. They'd mm-hmm. maybe gone, like yourselves, were moved back home yeah, or, or wherever. Yeah. So I was saying, like, God, you know, like it, there's plenty of houses to rent in Hollywood. So the situation yeah. is more accessible there. It's more accessible because you have a choice. So, so if you're going to pay 3000, you, you can choose to do that and get yourself in that situation and have a nice place. But if you want to pay less, you can here, you just have to pay whatever the person is offering and you have to just say, I'll make it work. I'll figure it out. And I'm a make it work, figure it out person. That's what I do when I produce. I, I, I will go to the ends of the earth to try and pull all the pieces together and juggle it out, but I can't. So did you get any response from the Avradkar to your tweet? I didn't. No. No. Nope. Unsurprising. Um, unsurprising. I'd love, I'd, I honestly would love to have a chat with him and just, I'd love his advice and I'd love him to hear from, because he keeps, he always says, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I hear him say that a lot and I really don't think he does. I, I he, he couldn't get it. He couldn't get it. He couldn't get my position um, and many people like me um, because if he did, things would be different. 
Natalie Britton, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Thank you so much to Natalie for coming in to chat to us. Um, like I think all of us will unanimously agree that Natalie's story resonates with so many people, you know, particularly people probably into their early 30s, maybe late 20s. There's just a cohort there in the middle. And it, the one interesting thing that I actually took away from the conversation is that when she left Ireland 15, 20 years ago, it was a different opportunity. You could come to Ireland, you could own a house. And even mm. when she talks about her friends who anyone that bought in the last eight to 10 years, they're stable at least. And they're, you know, they're in a community yeah. and they're embedded. Like that will really resonate, Richard, with so many people, won't it? Yeah, I think, and I think admittedly as well, there's a lot of people who are in a worse situation than Natalie as well. Like there are so many people who, and from, from a starting point, um, aren't even in a position where yeah. paying anywhere near that amount of rent mm -hmm. is feasible whatsoever. So like, I think it does speak to a huge amount. And we've spoken about the, the, the amount of money which has been demanded in new rents, that situation where families uh, with kids or people who are single as well are paying through the nose mm. in rents um, and are trying to get a place of their own permanently to buy and are being told by the lenders, you can't do it. Can't you can't do it, it because you can't prove that you can do it, which is madness. And it is a broken system. And the fact that she was talking as well about, you know, the amount of money which is being raised in tax. Like, I think a lot of people are fed up with the fact that there's nothing really to show for it mm. in terms of overall services. Mm. We have a, a health system which is being um, in permanent crisis. Mm. for every single year that we've worked in journalism we've done story after story about how broken mm. it is mm. a transport system which is you know completely choked up whether it be in Galway Dublin or yeah. Cork um, especially when it rains it everything. rains and suddenly the country shuts down <clears throat> you can't get anywhere Dublin yeah. as a city is not fit for people are fed up with Dublin as a city to live in at this point in time it mm. doesn't serve the people who live in it uh, and people are just fed up in general if you're being paying through the nose and you have some of the highest rents anywhere in the world mm. It's very, very difficult to get people to feel good about the place that they're living in. Yeah. The one thing that really chimed with me was, that, again, that observation about how if you were lucky enough to buy a few years ago, that mm. the profile of your life totally changes. Because, you know, hands up, uh, me and my wife were lucky enough that we met each other young enough in life mm. that we bought nine years ago. And like how much different your life is because we bought nine years ago, we have a fixed interest rate for a while. Mm -hmm. We know we're going to be paying every month. Mm. Like would we have two kids if we had to pay double that in rent? Like, I, I don't know if you would because I don't know if we'd be able to afford them afford to or afford it. the childcare or afford to feed them or house them or anything else. Like, I just, the way in which your life just totally changes, like on a dime, depending on when you were able to meet somebody and pull together in the circumstances to buy something is, is wild. But it's interesting, like we need to kind of look at, and I don't know how you go about that, like what decisions that were made by, you know, 
government before or what, what policy changes led us to that point or was it, you know, was it somewhere that like, I mean, you could definitely argue that, you know, when the crash happened, building, you know, kind of came to a halt. A lot of developers, you know, were, were driven out of business. We had obviously NAMA came in, you know, the fact that we didn't continue to build enough houses for people to live in for such a huge period of time. You have to imagine that that has had a massive knock on impact on the, this yeah. current crisis. Central bank lending rules as well when they mm. kicked in and then suddenly they limited how much you were able to buy relative to your earnings, which had a, a sound reason in big picture because they didn't it want did, to pour more fuel on the fire. But people are paying twice what they would pay for a mortgage well, and rent, it yeah. no longer makes sense. So I think th- no there's a broader theme and we'll, we'll probably talk about this more in a couple of weeks' time when we do talk about the budget, that governments and central banks and regulators tend to think of things in the macro scale. They think big picture. We need to think about the whole economy and all the moving parts and not wanting to increase inflation and X and Y and Z individual people live in the micro. They they think about their own households. Mm-hmm. So like, there's always a disconnect between a government that says, oh, we can't do this because if you do that on a grand scale, it will cause damage. And you go, well, yeah, but I don't care about the grand picture. I care about me. And mm-hmm. in, when, when you have that many millions of households that are all discombobulated and they don't feel like their individual needs are addressed, mm-hmm. you have a problem. You know? it, it, it does speak to an economy and it isn't just here in Ireland because actually the, the problem with housing and the affordability and rents and inflation and the price of groceries and supermarkets is being felt in multiple places across Europe and, you know, the United States and in Britain as well. But when people don't feel that the economy works for them, mm-hmm. if people are feeling like, you know, the, the price of rent and the proportion of rent that goes now from income um, just straight into being paid out for accommodation is now way bigger than it ever has been before. And there's nothing which is being done to properly address that. The budget will tinker around the edges. There might be a new renter's tax credit. whoop de doo um, People are fed up and it is pushing more people to be disaffected, particularly when it comes around to, you know, we are in how long have been an inflation crisis at this point in time? 18 months 18 at least months, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's no huge change. People aren't feeling any difference about it. And when everything is absolutely dreary in terms of, you know, healthcare provision, uh, transport, mm. the quality of our cities and towns as well, this is a brutal situation when, at this point in time. Uh, totally. And when Natalie tells us that it was cheaper to live in Hollywood, that, you know, you had choice in Hollywood. But I, do you know what? It's funny. Like, I said to you when we were driving around Hollywood go, that time, I really got the impression every second road you went on, there was a bunch of places for rent. Mm. And I, I had that feeling. And to hear it firsthand from her coming from there is like, it's it's mad to think that Hollywood is more accessible for accommodation than Ireland right I now. I actually, actually think that's nuts. One other theme about budgets as well is that in the last couple of years, they've really gotten into the habit of trying to subsidise higher costs of living rather than pulling down the cost of living. Mm. So that the, it's a case of, oh, rent is dear. We're going to give you a renter's tax credit so that it's easier for you to be able to afford rents at that higher level. What can anyone ever do to actually just bring rents down? Or is, is it in their interest to bring rents down? Do they need to make sure that everyone's net assets always stay as they are so you can't ever bring the price of a property down? Like, Is, is that what, what's going on? But it's been a theme for the last couple of years and I suspect it'll be a big bone of contention because it's what they're going to do again in a couple of weeks. I was just going to say, and what do you think, like, so people listening here to this podcast this week might say, look, I haven't been following any of the budget stuff, haven't been following, you mm. know, they, maybe they're not getting their head, to be fair, most people aren't probably getting their head yeah. into the game on the budget really now till the next few days. It's, it's the 10th of October. Yeah, 10th of October, so next Tuesday week. Okay, so yeah. we're kind of, we're still a little bit out, but look, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I certainly didn't get the impression from spending time with uh, the Taoiseach, the Taunashta and Damon Ryan in New York last week that, mm. You know, I don't think it's going to be the same windfall for people it was as no, last year, not, actually. Not, not even as much as last year. I think people are going to be quite disappointed, actually, with the budget this There's year. There's actually a, a big issue that's arisen in the last, or that's really only crystallised in the last week or two, is overspending in departments this year and the knock-on consequence that has. So we are now housing so many more people from Ukraine and other applicants for international protection 
that the Department of Integration needs a bailout of 1 billion euro this year because it didn't have the money to uh, deal with uh, those volumes. And likewise, health, we discovered on Wednesday morning of this week, the Department of Health and the HSE will overrun by 1.1 billion this year because they just weren't ready. Like, again, you were talking earlier, 23 billion announced last year. This day last year, biggest health budget ever, 23 billion. Still a billion short to actually just keep people well and run hospitals. But how much of this is just excuses being put out by the government we, there's always a huge overrun in there the is. HSE yeah. there's always surprise surprise yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's but, an overrun in the, the HSE reason, also sorry there's a problem well. the problem which a lot of people are having with the, the line being floated is oh we need a bailout now because of all the refugees mm. what's that doing who's that a message to mm. who's that a message yeah. to yeah uh, you, you see how it's spun in certain quarters the reason why it's material to next year's budget though is because it means that the in order to simply stand still. Every, like every department wants more money and the government, past government who said, we're going to give every department more money next year. So every department will have more to spend next year than they did this. Problem is, the government has 5.3 billion to give to every single department to increase day-to-day spending. And loads of that's already gobbled up because if health overran by 1 billion this year, it needs to be 1 billion next year just to stand still. Before you expand mm-hmm. anything, yep. you expand free contraception or GP cards or inpatient charges, anything like that. Um, on, the, on the Department of Integration side, one billion higher next year simply to stand still. And if the war in Ukraine doesn't end or if the war doesn't go to Ukraine's favour, more people leave, more people come here seeking asylum, seeking protection, higher costs again for the taxpayer. So an awful lot of the wriggle room that should have been used for giveaway bonanza budget, cost of living package too, you know, everything, we're running at 11 billion surplus and we're going to give it back to the people. Suddenly loads of that is just gone because it just needs day-to-day management eating it up. Like even when we look at, say, the proposal um, in relation to the second tier child benefit, you know, it mm. does, like, I mean, you know, even talking to Roger Gorman a couple of weeks ago when that proposal was launched by the ESRI, I didn't get the impression they were really going to do it, to be no. honest. I got the impression that they were, you know, very much like, well, we already do great things with child benefit, actually. And let me repeat all the great things we already do with child benefit. There was, there was a really interesting moment earlier on this week when Rod- Roderick O'Gorman was actually pressed on his commitment, the pledge, about how much the government would bring down the cost of childcare mm. and the defensiveness that was on display. There's a problem politicians do have that when you actually read back things that they've previously said yeah. to them, and they get really annoyed when you do that. Mm-hmm. Like, because last year they cut the childcare costs by about a quarter, and he said we'll do the same again. Yeah, and now, now he's not. He's like, saying the same again. Uh, um, I think it, it is interesting when you do see just you know what lines of explanation, if you want to put it that way, are coming out of the government at this point in time. And it would be worth pressing them, I think, on some of the explanations that they're given, which they haven't apparently foreseen until this very moment of time, mm. two weeks before the budget. It's been a couple of days, but we did want to talk about the controversy surrounding uh, the singing of Zombie at the match uh, last weekend. What did you make of it, Gav? Contrived. Uh, <laughs> so explain non- what happened exactly. Sorry, so, so for people who've been living under uh, something of a sporting rock for the last uh, four or five days, um, the it has become practice, and uh, particularly notable at full time uh, when Ireland beat South Africa at the weekend, for... Uh, Zombie to be played over the PA system or for the fans of the Ireland team to sing along with Zombie. And this has been interpreted by some people as being a deliberate riposte to the IRA because the song was written to disassociate uh, Dolores O'Riordan from the actions of the IRA, particularly the Warrington bombing. Some other people think that it's a direct riposte to the singing of uh, Celtic Symphony by the Wolf Tones, which has been more recently attached to the Ireland women's soccer team. And then, of course, the uh, performance of the Wolf Tones electroclinic. I think that's a ridiculous overreaching attempt to intellectualise everything. I think that uh, people like the Cranberries because they're from Limerick and they sing them at Monster matches and now it's just been transplanted by Ireland fans 
you don't have to consider that everything is a direct response or a repost to something else. I think it's a song that just sounds yeah. really good when loads of people sing along. Do to you it think touring sporting fans on the points thought about that when they were singing? Some did because some actually did post about how it was great that they were singing this song okay. because it wasn't the Wolf Tones mm. and Celtic Symphony. I just thought it's Celtic or Celtic. It's Celtic. It's about Celtic football club. Okay, so like, yeah, yeah. It's about the football club. Yeah, it's about Glasgow Celtic as 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 Warfield and all the lads have said. Anytime there's controversy over Celtic Symphony has come up, which seems to be every week now at this point in time. <laughs> um, I'm just bored. I'm bored about debates about songs. I'm bored about columns being written about what songs are good and what songs are. As was the case with Celtic Symphony, as was the case with Zombie. People sing it because it's played and they sing it because it's easy to sing along to. The, the PA person in Stade de France probably played this song because they googled famous Irish songs mm, and yeah. Zombie is the most played Irish song it's been streamed a billion times on YouTube mm. I don't want to say that people shouldn't be annoyed or offended by the song because people have political reasons and personal reasons why yeah. they think that it simplifies things which are complex Yeah, um, I do have a problem with some people who have jumped on this and are like just I just I just I just can't I can't it's newspaper columnists and stuff this, this view of Oh, you can't say this and you can't be offended by this and you can't do this. Just, just... Live and let live and We abandoned the song yeah. chat. Because yeah. it, it's, it's Ireland's Call. Yeah. Actually, one thing actually, Zara, I actually find about the Ireland's Call thing now, I do not like Ireland's Call as a song. Okay. But there are a lot of people who... You don't like the lyrics or the tune or the, or the concept? It's rubbish. Or... It's a bit corny. It's complete rubbish. I it's really a dirge. don't mind Ireland's it's Call rubbish. so much. Rubbish, okay. rubbish, rubbish. <laughs> He's got um, full Dunphy there. But, terrible uh, Bill. But like people are surprised. It seems surprised. Like, I can't believe they're playing Ireland's Call in a match. They've only played Ireland's Call as our only anthem for the but rugby at, team at home, away. At home, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is the home point. Matches, yeah. Why are people suddenly getting offended? Have they not been watching any of the rugby matches we've played abroad for years and years? Or, or not, not understood that it's not a 26 county team. It's not yeah. the Republic of Ireland rugby team. It's the All of Ireland rugby Band team. Band songs. We're going to be the country oh, from is, Footloose. Is that it could be. It's fan music. No music. But like, no. Is, is there a, like a particular resonance to Bo's fans singing Spandau Ballet? Or is it literally just like adopted because it's a handy one that's to sing? Bose. Yeah, yeah. People sing songs because it's fun and it's sing along leave them alone why, why, why Richard Chambers says leave these... people who sing songs alone um, Richard Chambers but like there is there's a problem as well like a lot of people seem to get on on the, the on the horse around zombie because of you know the north and whatnot. Yeah. a lot of commentators who do not care about what happens in the north and have never cared about what happens in the north apart mm. from when it's politically expedient mm. for them to do so did jump on this just as a stick to beat certain political causes about it's just very tiresome I, the, rugby, the Rugby World Cup is long enough without mm. this being drumped on top of it. You're not enjoying it. I'm really loving the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. It's been great crack. What's the biggest, watching it? What's the biggest news in your weekend though, was it? No. no I did not. Hey, hey, oh. We went there. I did, we, we thought we weren't going to mention it. But so we, we did, did get engaged and then watch the match the next day. Hey, <laughs> you got engaged and watched the match. Yes, thank you very much. We got uh, engaged. How did it go down? Go it on. was lovely. We were in Connemara. I only came back from New York so I was totally jet lagged and exhausted and I said to him, I was like, I know we're going to Connemara for the weekend but I was like, I really don't want to do anything when we're there. I just want to do nothing for the weekend but instead we ended up getting engaged which is quite a thing to do actually it's, it's, so it's, it's an event yeah, right. yeah. it's lovely it's really really nice and I've really appreciate it. loads of people have messaged me and I'd say they think I'm the rudest person you know if, like I've loads of unread whatsapps in general oh you do yeah anyway well, my yeah. whatsapp is very much in, a, in the no man's land of unread but no thank you I've seen the message I haven't gotten back to people but yeah it's been lovely thank you we're oh, really really happy so good. that's really? it we're out of time uh, we're out of oh, time oh no no more wedding <laughs> oh, no chat. more wedding no. chat uh, that's no, a bonus episode I'm sure there'll be plenty of that in, 
in the weeks and months to come. But uh, for now, thank you very much, political correspondent Gavin thank Riley, you, Sarah. and my fellow news correspondent Richard Chambers. Uh, thank you very much. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and we will see you again next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.